even now, I dream about the, the train. I'm looking for my bag. I'm looking for the train. Sometimes I'm driving the train. Sometimes I'm firing it. Sometimes I'm driving the train through a ditch. <laughs> CPR would be mad at me for that. 21 years I've been retired. And it, it, it just, it's there. It's in the back of your mind. It, it never, you never leave it. It finds you. Something gets under your skin. And it never leaves. You come and you watch these trains that come and they go. And where would they go? Where would they go? And you would just let your imagination go crazy. There's something special about a man-made metal device that goes on these thin rails and goes to places we don't know where. I've always had train dreams, some more vivid than others. I always seem to be going on a journey somewhere and finding different obstacles or people or things that prevent me getting to where I want to go. There are always things that I regret. One always thinks about what might have been. I would like to own a train and have my assortment of cars nearby and I would just get on, go and go. CPR station on Higgins Street in Winnipeg. There was one room where it said uh, employment office. And I was quite young, I don't know how old, maybe eight, nine. I remember saying to my father, Dad, I'm gonna work there one day. I'm gonna go in that office and get a job. And I'm gonna work for the railway. Said, sure, son, sure. That's not what he had in mind for me. But I eventually did it. And I was a porter, the porter in the day coach. There's something that happens that you notice when you work on the railway, something that happens to people when they get on the train. As soon as they step onto that first step onto the train, it's as if their inhibitions fall away. It's as if their fantasies can come true. Some people took a little longer and it took them a little while to warm up and relax and get into train mode, as I called it. It's it's almost a primal feeling because, yes, you're being rocked back and forth in many ways, and you're almost as if it's, it's almost as if you're in the arms of your mum or dad. <laughs> no, you know you're in a safe place. You know you're okay.
my uh, father's brother, uh, his name was Hamilton, and everybody called him Hammy, of course. So Uncle Hammy was an engine driver, and uh, we used to watch for him because the house was right by the railway. Uh, the train went right by it. It seemed to me as a child that I could almost reach out and touch him as he went past. He waves and I wave. I could design uh, an auto, um, an automatic, a, a, a robot, robotic system that would run the train for me, so I can just take a seat, sit back, and relax. And the and it it would uh, I use a camera to take a look at the signals and then just slow down, speed up, all that sort of stuff. Um, my mother decided to separate from my father when I was about six months old. He was an alcoholic, plain and simple. He didn't provide enough for the family, and uh, she felt that she would be better to bring up her children on her own. And uh, there was no further contact with my father. attached to this uh, to uh, it would just attached into a case inside my pocket and I could just tell it to stop or uh, or to or to go and you know, I could control it just from there. I left home at an early age, you see. I, well, I, never really, I never really had a home, and I never had a family. And uh, I had a stepfather who said that I wasn't his kid and he didn't want to look after me. Uh, my stepfather told me that I'd have to find another place to live. Took me by the collar, took me to the station, and put me on the train, and I said, where am I going to go? I was only 10 years old. He said, uh, you have an uncle in Esther Hazy, maybe he'll take you. The train was the only means of transportation for us. I don't remember ever going anywhere by bus. We always had to go on the train, even if it was just seven miles to the seaside, shopping, or to the theater. And that was always a very special occasion for me. These were happy train times. Uh, so I was kind of worried about that, not having enough money, so... I was always interested in trains, and when I was four years old, lived in Transcona, I wanted to go see the trains. Uh, and uh, I would start out with my bike, and they'd find me in the field asleep. And then uh, my uncles, being engineers, uh, they took me on different trips when I was a little older. Then my dad took sick and I had to get him a job when I was 16. So that's what I did. I went as a wiper, then as a fireman, then as an engineer. Forty-four years of working on a train. Ah. 
you've got to check everything to make sure that the fire is in the firebox, water is in the boiler, and enough coal to get you to the next coaling station. And then the, the uh, steam gauge, another important thing. Yeah. You got to keep going. You're, you might come up and sit on the, on the seat box for a minute or so, but then you're back down on the on the floor with the shovel, shoveling the coal. And of course, some coal is better than others to create more heat per shovelful. And others are just like dirt that's lay there. And if your fire is dead, you'll grab the poker and run the poker through it to, to liven it up to get air going through it and moving that coal around. Steam locomotives. Childhood trains that puffed and shrieked and jabbered. Puffed, shrieked, jabbered. A soot-grimed tenement building beside the railway. A place of shadows in our blacked-out wartime world. Our coal cellar was behind the house. I stoop as though entering a cave. My hands are black, black with dust. Perhaps like my father's. My father? Blue dungarees, red bandana at his neck. White teeth flashing a smile on his grimy face. Cap set at a rakish angle. My father, the absent presence in my life. My father was Tom Anderson, Thomas Anderson. He was a marine engineer on the Atlantic convoys, the merchant ships, during the war. I did a heritage project about at the Canadian Pacific Railroad. A steel rail across Canada, surveying a building, that stuff, that was probably harder than, than running a train. 
really sad. People had to abandon their families to, to think that they would get a good work there, but they only get it from one dollar to two fifty. They had to go through uh, the Canadian Shield, Last Rocks, through uh, only supported by uh, ropes on, that hold some boards that they stand on, and rocks could fall uh, from above them, and they would have to shout, look out below. Really sad work. By the time I was 15 or 16, I decided I'd leave home for good. So I joined a bunch of boys at the railway, at the, uh, railway yards waiting for trains and became a hobo. And I was riding on the freight trains and we had to beg for food, you know. A bunch of hobos, a bunch of unemployed, all got together. We had all sorts of... Uh, people campaigning for the communists, you know, because we were having a rough time. They decided that they would all march on to Ottawa. We'd, we'd jump on freight trains, any train that goes, and we'd march to Ottawa. And uh, we'd do something about the Prime Minister, you see. We got on the freight trains, and when we got to the other cities, like Calgary or so, we bummed for food and things like that. And finally we got to Regina and the mounted police came out with clubs and they were clubbing us. They were going to stop us from going to Ottawa. That was the biggest riot that Canada had. We were fighting the police and I was clubbed on the head and knocked down. And uh, I ended up in jail for about several months. You know, I was never charged and I was finally released. another uncle who was a lawyer in a town in Saskatchewan. I forget the name now. And I heard he was a well-to-do lawyer, and I thought maybe I'll go and see him, you know. So uh, just before we got to that town, I got off the train. I was very tired and hungry, so I fell, fell asleep under a tree in a field. And a man saw me there, and he says, what are you doing there? I said, I have nowhere to go. I don't know what to do. He says, well, come with me. So I went to his house and he introduced me to his family. And he said, uh, he gave me music. He said, stay here as, as long as you like. So I said, but I have an uncle. And I said, I want to go there. Maybe I can get a job and he'll help me out, you know. He said, so he says, sure, I'll phone him. I know him very well. He's a lawyer there, you know. So I'm sure he'll help you. Uh, anyway, he phoned my uncle. And the farmer said that... Uh, uh, your uncle is away on business. He's not home. I says, in other words, he doesn't want me. He said, you're right. So I said, I'm going to go on to the next freight train. And he gave me My journey has been really to find uh, some peace within myself, I suppose, that I didn't do what 
perhaps I ought to have done that night. One always thinks about what might have been. Well, this uh, particular Saturday night, I was waiting for my friend Ray. We always went to the library on, on Saturdays. And uh, when the doorbell rang, I thought it was Ray. So I went running downstairs and opened the front door. There was a man standing in the doorway, straight, unbelted coat, his coat and his cap silhouetted in the doorway. Is Mrs. Anderson at home? I knew in a flash. No. It had to be my father. She's not at home. Do you know when she'll be back? No. I said, no. I don't know when she'll be back. But I really did know that she had just gone to the cinema with my sister and she would be home within about an hour. He stood there for a moment. If I had stretched out my hand. And he said, thank you and walked away. I could have touched him. What a bloody waste of time. This was the only time I had ever spoken to him. If only I had spoken up. Mum will be home at eight o'clock. Please come in. Would things have changed then? I'll make a cup of tea and, and we can talk. Don't you know who I am? Would it have stopped the separation of my father from the rest of the family? Something that I've carried with me all my life. Greet, my dearie. Come to Dad, the bonnie lamb. I'll kiss awa the teary. Your daddy has a great big boat for sailing o'er the sea. And if you're good and greet name here, I'll take you there with me. Shh, Bernie. I know that you would brood alone. Leave the fellowship of other solitary men. Cabin door secure against the world. Now I have brooded too. And no, there was no help for it. Even now, I dream about the, the train. Childhood trains. You'd watch these trains, they'd come and they'd go. And where would they go? Where would they go? You lean from the window of the carriage, waiting, waiting for the train to slow and slow 
Hello. Yeah. 